Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Steps. So let's open our Bibles. Ah, you don't bring your Bibles anymore, do you? <laughs> what a terrible bunch of people. Call yourselves Christians. Um, but we've, you can follow along on the screen, obviously. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 17. And just to give you a bit of context, um, Jesus has just given his first cross prediction. So he's told them that he's going to die. He's had the big reveal of, uh, you know, this kingdom that you thought we were building in this empire and how we're all going to rule and everything like that, that you thought, well, actually, the way it's going to end is that I'm going to lay my life down. And you're probably going to do the same, but that's going to usher in a kingdom. And the disciples, as you can imagine, are like, I don't really like the sound of that. And so then Jesus goes up on the mountain, takes Peter, James and John with him. And there's this miraculous moment where Jesus' divinity has been revealed. He's about to reveal the very depths of his humanity in that he can die. He's been living amongst them. They've seen him hungry. They've seen him upset. They've seen him tired. So he's shown himself to be fully human. But he goes up the mountain and shows that truly he is fully God with Peter, James and John. And just like when Moses met with God on the mountain and came down and found an an unbelieving crowd where they'd, um, you know, built the golden calf back in the Old Testament, Jesus comes down to an unbelieving crowd off the mountain as well. And he has a moment with them and that's going to make up our text today. And then the whole thing finishes off with Jesus again talking about how he's going to die. Uh, So it's a bit of a buzzkill for the disciples, um, but we're going to read it and and look at it this morning. So verse 14 says this, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just pray for your illumination of your word to us. We pray that you'd open the eyes of our understanding. We pray that we would go home and never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we've got a young epileptic boy. Uh, My nan was epileptic and she used to have seizures all the time. My cousin actually died from an epileptic fit while he was sleeping. He actually worked for um, ASIO at the time and that's like Australia's version of CIA and they had to do this massive investigation because they thought there might be foul play. It was just terrible but it was just that he'd had an epileptic fit while he was sleeping and Um, had suffocated Um, but my nan she used to have these seizures just whenever wherever and mum tells the story of them as kids just being so nervous that they might go down the street nan never drove her whole life and uh, and these things would take place and, and they'd have to look after her as young kids and then as older kids for nan it was incredibly embarrassing and undignifying Um, back then and really quite difficult. These grand mal seizures that would occur and after them she'd be really disconcerted and disorientated. Uh, She could be in the paddock, she could be in town, she could be in the kitchen, wherever, and these seizures would come upon her. 
Well, for this young boy, he has the same experience, but the father comes to Jesus to tell him, hey, Jesus, when he has his seizures, he often throws himself into the fire and into the water. Now, into the fire, what What on earth? And into the water, you can only imagine what would happen if you had an epileptic fit in water. And so it's very obvious that not only is he ill, not only does he have an affliction, but there's something greater at work. There's something else at work that actually he is um, tormented as well. The Bible says in John 8 that, that the devil has been a murderer since the beginning. And it says in John 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so that is the enemy's purpose for this young boy that he would die in the midst of his seizures. Now, um, I can only imagine, like some of you have had epileptic children, and so you know what it would be like to stand by. You empathise with this father much more than I ever could. But there's one thing for your kid to be sick. That's, that's horrendous and that's awful. It's another thing for your kid to be sick and also tormented. I can't even imagine how that would be to be looking on. So no wonder he comes and throws himself at Jesus' feet, having already asked the disciples and says, please, please, can you help me out? Now, this would have been a huge blow to the disciples. They've just been sent out, the 12 of them, uh, a few chapters before, a few um, weeks before this. And Jesus has sent them out and says, you've got my authority. And they head out and they begin to pray for people and they anoint them with oil and pray for them and see them made well. They cast demons out of people and in this very pagan society where they're worshipping foreign gods and, and open to all sorts of spiritual encounters, there's a whole lot of that at play and, and they're seeing people delivered and set free and it's so exciting to them. They're having these mountaintop experiences and all of a sudden they're trying to cast a demon out and it's not working. In, in the book of Luca records that after the 12 were sent out, that another 72 were sent out. Jesus sent out 72 more. And their resounding feedback for Jesus when they got back, they said, Jesus, even the demons submitted to us in your name. And Jesus was like, I, you know, from my vantage point, I could see blow after blow being delivered to the enemy. I saw Satan fall like lightning. And then he says, but don't forget that none of that is in comparison to you having your names written in eternal life. He just gives this quick reminder that, hey, what God's done for you uh, is always countless beyond what you can do for God. He just sort of just quick reminded disciples, it's great that you got to do all that, but what I've done for you far exceeds anything you can do for me. And so all that has gone on and then they come to this place where they haven't been able to cast out this demon. And Jesus says to the crowd, he says, faithless and perverse generation or unbelieving and crooked generation or unbelieving and corrupt generation. The message paraphrase puts it like this. It says, Jesus said, what a generation, no sense of God, no focus to your lives. Unbelieving. So it doesn't mean that they don't believe because clearly the disciples do believe. They've seen it all go on. And it's speaking to a Jewish audience, so they do believe in God as well. So it's not that they don't believe in God. It's talking about pistis. I'm not swearing. That's the Greek word for faith. Pistis is the Greek word for faith, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And, and pistos um, is being faith-filled, being full of faith. This word where he says unbelieving is apistos. And, uh, and, and so it's saying that it's the opposite. It's being faithless or having less faith or not being faith-filled. How did the disciples, now I know I've got Harry and Pentelis, where are they? Yeah, Harry's there, Pentelis is over here. Like, I know you guys are Greek. 
but you're not ancient Greek. So I'm saying it right. You weren't there. You can't correct me on this. <laughs> um, I heard John Maxwell once give a Greek word. It was horrendous. Um, so you've got that to look forward to. Um, this word is having, how did the disciples go from being so full of faith where they could go out, pray, anoint with oil, heal, see all that happen. Imagine, like that had had me done for the rest of my life. One time here, I prayed for a woman and her eye was all cloudy and wonky. And, and as we prayed, her eye cleared up and became straight. Man, that'll do me for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't need another healer. Like, God, you're amazing. That's incredible. They've seen healing after healing. They've seen the demonic submit to them in Jesus' name. And now here they are having less faith or being faith less filled, having their faith rattled. How? How in such a short amount of time have you been there? Well, you've seen something miraculous happen and not that long later, you feel like, where's my faith gone? I feel so disconnected from God. God, where are you? I've definitely been there myself. And that's where the disciples are in this moment. Now, I'm going to speculate this morning. This is not in the Bible. This is me reading the Bible how I am rather than how it is. Uh, And so I'm going to speculate on how they got there. Um, It doesn't actually refer to their emotions in the moment at all. But what I'm thinking as I look at the sequence of events coming, they've seen the miraculous. They've seen Jesus walk on water. They've seen this outcast woman be, have her daughter completely delivered and set free when she's not even supposed to be able to access anything of God. They've seen um, the best graze board that you've ever seen in your life, feeding thousands of people from just a few loaves and a few fishes. They've seen these incredible things happen. They've seen storms calmed and all that kind of thing. And then they've done amazing things themselves. But they've also around them, they've got the Pharisees and the Sadducees just constantly coming at them, constantly preaching against them, calling the one that they're following the son of the devil. They've got people saying all sorts of things about them as well. Not only that, they've just had one of their people that they love and know, John the Baptist, had his head cut off. And so they're looking at that and now they're hearing Jesus talking about how he's going to die. And they're going, we thought we were going in one trajectory with a lot of momentum and now it seems to be a bit of negative momentum coming at us. And not only that, Jesus goes up and has this incredible mountaintop moment and doesn't take them, doesn't take them. Anyone been there? Someone's talking about their incredible mountaintop moment. And you're like, I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And so they're down the bottom and they're not experiencing any of it. They're people, people. They're, they're, they're just ordinary humans like us. Their faith is rattled. So he calls them unbelieving, but he also calls them perverse. And now other versions say corrupt, others say crooked. They're all bad words. Perverse, when we think of perverse, words come to mind like pervert or perverted. They're, that, they're kind of all intertwined. But actually, this word perverse is it's used in the other two gospels, in the other two synoptic gospels, Luke and Mark, in reference to this same story. But it's also used in Luke, at the end of Luke, where Jesus is accused of being perverse. He's saying, you're trying to subvert people away from the nation. Jesus is accused of misleading people. And then it's used in Acts three times. And every time it's about leading people away, getting them on the wrong path. And then it's used in Philippians about how this world is perverse and it leads people the wrong way. So really, Jesus is saying, you guys are just on the wrong path. You're worldly. You're you're operating, you're too connected to the world. If you're unbelieving, you're not connected enough to God 
But if you're perverse, you, you're too connected to the world. And so he's, he's really saying that that generation is too unbelieving and too perverse, not connected to God enough and too connected to the world. Eugene Peterson says it, um, like I said before, he says, no sense of God, not connected to God. He says, no focus, distracted, misled, too connected to the world. So Jesus rebukes the demon, demon comes out, but it also says not only is he delivered, but he's healed. So he's, he's set free of that, his torment. He's also set free of his physical affliction. Go God, you're awesome. And then the disciples come to Jesus in private to ask him, why couldn't we do it, Jesus? Is, anyone else would have gone to Jesus in private? Anyone prefer to be just rebuked from the platform? Anyone? Okay. Hey, Trav. Okay, so Trav, uh, <laughs> got some things I want to say to you. <laughs> but um, we do. So they went to Jesus in private. They didn't want to be any more embarrassed. Can you imagine already they come in with this reputation of the people who could set the demonic free and all that kind of thing, and then they just can't. Like how did they, did they, did they try it a lot? Did they like try it first and just cast him out like they cast all the others out and nothing happened? So then they started to yell and then they started to just like, push him over a little bit? Like what, what did they do in order to try to drive that demon out? Um, but they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, it's because you have little faith. Now, this is like such a contradictory statement that Jesus makes. He says, I tell you that if you had faith as small as, as a mustard seed, any mountain in your life could be removed. But you've only got little faith. Like, a mustard seed is little faith, Jesus. So, huh? Uh, like, it's not like Jesus is saying, a mustard seed is little faith, but you've only got like the head of a pin. You're a bunch of pinheads, disciples. And he's not saying that. He's saying, like we talked about pistis, which is faith, pistos, which is faith-filled, apistos, which is not faith-filled. This is oligopistos. And yes, yes, Pentelis, that is how it's said. <laughs> that is, Oh, yeah, cool, thank you. (laughs) So oligos is little in number, like tiny, like reduced in number. Pistos is obviously faith-filled. And he's saying you are, we need to look at where this word is used, where else in the New Testament to get a feeling of what he's actually trying to say. So what he says in, in the Beatitudes on the mountain, Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field. He says, look how much they're clothed. Why do you worry about what you're going to wear, oligopistos? Are you of little faith? And then when the storm is raging and they're all in the boat and the disciples are freaking out and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, he wakes up and he calms the storm and he says, where is your faith, oligopistos? Like, I'm right here. I've got this. I'm right here with the flowers. I've got them, so I've got you. So don't, your dependence and your trust can be on me. Then he says, when Peter jumps out of the boat, he says, come on, Peter, you can walk on the water just like I am. Peter's like, whoa, jumps out, walks on the water, everything's going well. And then he gets too connected to his surroundings and stops being so connected to God that he begins to sink. And Jesus grabs him and says, oligopistos, Peter, come on. Focus on me. Don't be so connected to the world and not connected enough to me. So each occurrence, oh, there's another one about bread, but it takes too much explaining, explaining so we won't go there. So each, each occurrence is like, he's talking about, I want you to fully depend on me. I want you to remain totally and vitally connected to me. 
but, but oligopistos, you, you, you keep withdrawing from me and connecting yourself to your surroundings. And so Jesus says, that comes out, or this kind only come out by prayer and by fasting. This kind only come out by prayer and by fasting. Now, in your Bible, which you all pulled out at the start, uh, it might not even have verse 21. It might have a little footnote that says, um, earliest manuscripts do not say verse 21. And so the thought is that obviously it was added at some later time. Now, Mark 9, 29, which is the same version of these events, it says this kind only come out by prayer. And then footnote, some manuscripts say, and fasting. So I'm just, I don't want to just race into talking about fasting because you could go, well, Brian, it's not even in my Bible. So let me go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. It says this, One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So the disciples of John have come to him and said, I'm thinking, Jesus, that if your disciples aren't fasting, we don't need to either. Can we stop fasting? Please tell us, can we stop fasting? And Jesus is like, well, I'm with them right now. Don't get me wrong, they will fast. There will come a time that these disciples do fast, but it's not right now, it'll be when I go. In Acts chapter 13, this is the early church practising. It says in Acts 13, it says, One day as the men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, they didn't even just do it straight away. They fasted and prayed some more and they, they laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. In Acts 14, 23, another early church moment, Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they'd put their trust. Now, side note, at the start of the early church, they had to replace Judas because He'd done the wrong thing and, and he'd suffered the consequence of his choices. And so they, they um, cast lots in order to find the new person. I would prefer that to fasting, just being honest. Um, but they moved on from that and began to pray and fast and seek the Lord about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5, this is Paul speaking. It says, We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights and gone without food. Your version might say gone hungry. This word is specifically referring to the day of atonement fasting. It's talking about fasting. He's saying we have been fasting. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, it says, I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. That word for hungry is limo. That word for gone without food is fasting. So I've endured hunger, thirst, and fasts. I've shivered in the cold without enough to keep me warm. So two different words there, and both times he mentions in his hardships, fasting. Why? Because fasting is hard. Like, if you think that fasting is easy, I need to talk to you. And fasting is really hard. Anyone um, confess and that they find fasting hard? Oh, thank you, because you all were just silent. Like, fasting's easy, Bron. Fasting is hard because food is good. Okay, so what would the purpose of fasting be? We can clearly see that it's for today or, or, or for the early church. They practised it. Jesus talked about it. The early church practised it. And then Paul wrote about it in his letters to the church. So if we were to do it today, why would we do it? What would the purpose be? Did you know that we're a body, we're a people, humanity is made up of three parts, our body, our soul and our spirit. 
Now, we, um, I would suggest that we're the only being in creation that are made up of three parts. If you're a greenie, you might suggest differently, but a tree only has one part. It's just got its body. You might be like, Brian, I hugged a tree for three hours yesterday and it spoke to me. Praise the Lord. Nuts, anybody? Um, but, um, but trees, unless, you know, you're in Lord of the Rings and it's an ant, a tree just has a body and that's it. Uh, animals, I would suggest, have a soul. They have a personality. They've clearly got a will. Doug, our dog, definitely had a will and it would not be broken. And um, they've got emotions, tail up, tail tucked, um, and, and they, they love life um, and they're, you know, they mind, will and emotions. They don't have a spirit. I'm just really sorry, guys. Animals, uh, there's no, it's nothing to suggest they have a spirit. So do all dogs go to heaven? I, I don't know. I just don't know. N.T. Wright thinks they do. N.T. Wright thinks um, that animals go to heaven. Um, he's a scholar. He's much smarter than me. I know that cats don't. We all know that. That's clear. Um, but you, you want to go home and read Romans 8, you'll kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about there. Our body is our body. Our body connects us to ourself. And if we're so on about pleasing our body, then I would suggest that you might like to do a body fast. A body fast. The Bible talks about fasts that starve our appetites, that tell our appetites, no, you are in submission to me. You are not my master. I'm actually in charge here and you're not in sub- I'm not in submission to you. Now, this is not talking about not doing, like a, a fast that doesn't have a spiritual element is just not eating and being very hungry and, and you know, maybe heading into self-harm in some ways. That, we don't want to do that. We're about starving this, not starving, you know what I mean, do you? <laughs> um, like withholding from this in order to connect to this. So our body keeps us connected to ourselves, pain, hunger, all that sort of thing. Our body wants to eat what it wants to eat. Hello, November, January, December. Um, it, it wants to, our body wants to sleep with whoever it wants to sleep with. And if you're too body connected, it's a good thing to do a bodily fast. So um, fast food, not fast food, fasting food and fasting eating um, and abstaining from different things. Now our soul, oh, let me just read you a scripture about that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. No elbowing anyone. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So here Paul's actually instructing them to, to, hey, if you're in agreement, don't just one of you withhold, but why don't you agree on abstaining for a little while and praying? Now, he's not talking about 2022. <laughs> he's talking about a limited time, it says here, so that you can come back together. So there's fasting food, there's fasting sex. Um, many of you are not wanting me to speak any more on that. Okay, our soul is our connection to others, our thinking, our emotions and our will. Uh, and it's generally, yeah, it's a, it, that's what we engage with us, others with. I don't really need to think about my will unless it's in the context of others because if I'm by myself, I just do whatever I want to do. But if I then talk to Daz and he wants to have a plan on a day off and have the day scheduled out, then my will rises to the top. I'm like, it's a day off. We don't need to have a plan. And so we have these, um, you know, our will butts up against each other's. 
So then the spirit is what connects us to God, obviously. Our spirit is what connects us to God. Now with prayer and fasting, we get a two for one, a two for. We get prayer, which connects us to God. And we get fasting, which disconnects us from our body and from our soul. Perhaps you're too caught in soulish things. Soulish things like you're binging too much Netflix. You're on social media too much. Everyone just quickly put their phone down. Um, you're, you're looking at, you know, oh, I don't know what. And you need to disconnect from screens or, or you're too addicted and you're constantly, your first thing is to pick up your phone and check your email without even realising that you're doing it. And you need to disconnect from the world around you and connect to God more because fasting and prayer go hand in hand disconnecting from the world around us and from our own desires and asking the Spirit to take control. So we're about to fast right now, no, uh, next week. Sunday, we're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting and we'll finish on the Saturday on the 21st day, which is the 27th. And there'll be information if you scan the QR code on the back of the chairs tomorrow because it'll go up today, there'll be information about the different kinds of prayer and fasting, what you might like to do, some resources that you might like to read, some devotions that you might like to do. And and I just wanna point you to that and to begin to pray about what you might do. We're also doing 6.30am prayer meetings Monday through Saturday. We'll incorporate prayer into our service as usual. So that will take the Sunday prayer. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 6.30 to 7, we're gonna be praying for specific things. And you're more than welcome to join in with that at home or come together as the church as well. It doesn't matter how many people are here, we're just gonna spend time in prayer. And then at seven, if you need to go, you go. But some of us might just hang around and do our devotions there. We might do them together. We might find a quiet corner of the room, but we're gonna do our devotions there as well. In our midweek studies, we're gonna be looking at prayer. This is about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we're gonna do a deep dive into prayer. So I'm gonna pray three times now. So if you could close your eyes and bow your head, just block out distractions. And I wanna ask the question and ask God's Holy Spirit to reveal to us of body, soul and spirit, which is the strongest in us right now? Is it our body and we're just constantly thinking about our appetites or our lusts? Is our body the strongest in us right now? Is it our soul where, where we're just constantly thinking about our connection to others or our mind, our, our will, our, our selfish desires, our emotions are ruling the roost. Our thought life is out of control or is the Spirit in control because then that's just awesome. And I'm just gonna ask God's Holy Spirit to do what only He can do right now. Holy Spirit, will You reveal to each and every one of us what's the strongest right now? And will You help realign that in Jesus' Name? Help us to take whatever steps boldly and courageously that we need to in order to realign and have our, the Spirit of God be the strongest in us and us bearing the fruit of the Spirit in Jesus' Name. Just leave your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment because maybe you don't have any connection to God at all. You've never made a decision to follow Him. You've never made a decision to put your trust in Jesus. And so if you already have, I just ask that under your breath right now that you might be praying for every person in the room that hasn't made this decision. Can you please pray for them? Can you please pray that, that they'll hear the knocking on the door of their heart, 
You can pray in the Spirit or pray in the understanding just under your breath for every person who hasn't yet made that decision. And if you haven't yet made that decision, can you keep listening? God loves you and He wants a relationship with you. He has pursued you your whole life and He would love you to stop going your own way and to surrender your life to Him. And in order to do that, it's simply praying a simple prayer that says, I'm gonna stop going my own way. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm gonna put my trust in Jesus and make Him the Lord of my life. And I'd love it this morning if if I could just know that you're making that decision. If you just wanna put your hand up, I'll acknowledge it and then you can put it back down. God loves you this morning. And so is there anyone here who wants to make that decision this morning? Just go ahead and put your hand up. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it back down. that everyone's made that decision already here. But if not, you keep listening for the voice of God in your life. Okay, church, just one more thing. If you're someone who's been saved and baptised, then that is wonderful. You follow Jesus through the waters of baptism. But maybe you haven't. And we've got a baptismal font over here. And it's because Jesus said to baptise believers. It's a next step for anyone who's already decided to follow Jesus. It's going public with your faith. It's saying, I've never before been immersed in water and come up out of there as Jesus has asked me to. And so we've got clothes up the back that you can change into if you want. But we just want to take a moment. Does anyone here this morning want to get baptised? Because what will happen is, is that um, while we do continue the conversation, you can just get ready and we'll baptise you straight after the service. It's not a great fanfare. You don't need to do a five-week course to understand what you're doing. It's simply believing in Jesus. That's awesome. Great decision. Is there anyone else this morning that wants to get baptised? We've got towels. Um, we've got clothes. Got everything you need. Well, that's really great news. So what we'll do now, um, you can open your eyes if you didn't have them open already. Uh, but someone's going to get baptised in a moment. But before that, we're just going to continue the conversation. I'm going to ask Sarah Gollan and Nath Robbo to come and um, sit with me because we're doing it a bit differently this morning. I'm going to ask them some questions. And uh, oh, by the way, church, I'm really sorry. My mum's been telling me about my terrible articulation of my words. She says I speak faster than anyone in the world and I run my words together. So I just want to apologise. I'm working on it. All right. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. That's what she told me to say. The teeth, the tongue, the something, the lips, whatever. Okay, so they're going to come and I'm only going to ask questions if you text them through to the phone. Um, and otherwise I'm going to ask these guys because there's a wealth of knowledge in these two around fasting and their experience. So uh, very exciting. Can you welcome Sarah Golan and Nathan Robinson? Have a seat. So um, thank you very much for saying yes today. Uh, Nath, I wanted to ask you a question. We heard, I think it was last year, about something miraculous that happened with you with fasting. Um, so maybe give us a quick rundown of that because it's a testimony that just needs to be keeping on giving. Yeah, sure. Um, man, that goes quick, doesn't it? It was one year. Um, so basically uh, I was probably a Christian for a couple of years um, God was good. <laughs> I wasn't so much. <laughs> I was learning a lot of things. And uh, anyway, life just plummeted downhill for me and my circumstances. Um, I turned to steroids thinking that 
this is going to improve any relationship in the future. Um, it didn't. It absolutely wrecked my body. Um, I had scars from neck, um, neck down, not so much my legs, but my torso was just riddled with um, kind of, it's acne, but it's a really severe case. And my doctor said that um, probably um, like laser surgery might fix the problem. We might have to do some skin grafting. Uh, my liver was really damaged, but that was probably from a y years of um, high protein foods. And... Uh, but I found myself in a really low place and um, worse off than what I started with. And uh, Michelle Fritz gave me an incredible book um, about fasting. And uh, I started reading it and became extremely encouraged within the first couple of um, you know, pages. And uh, so I decided to do a 40-day fast. <laughs> um, now, Pastor Mike said, you're crazy, don't be stupid. Um, you've got to start small. How about we start with a three-day? And I thought, no, no, I can, you know, I can at least do it for seven weeks, uh, seven <laughs> days. And um, anyway, so I began a, um, yeah, a seven-day fast. And uh, now this was on a Sunday afternoon, basically after a church service. I started. I still went to work all that week. Um, I didn't really notice any results um, with my body. I was really hoping that my skin would be made new. Um, what I'd read about fasting is it's actually quite beneficial for your own body. Um, and, uh, but in the meantime, you know, I actually gave up um, TV. Uh, I was just in my, in my own room, in my prayer closet constantly. I'd be praying at work. If the boys ate, I would just go off and sit in my car, read the Bible. Um, and it was basically Saturday night. I remember crying, going to bed, just saying, God, like, where are you? I've been, I haven't been eating all this time. What's going on? Nothing's changed. I woke up Sunday morning to get in the shower for church and my skin was, as you see it now, nothing on there. Um, probably the worst thing I did was I had Maccas that afternoon <laughs> and I seriously like probably spewed for the next day. It's one of the worst things you can do. So my doctor was totally amazed. She did say, of course, you know, fasting will, you know, heal your body like that. I, I kind of wasn't bold enough to tell her other reasons why I was doing it. But it's funny because I'd actually put on seven kilos of muscle with steroids in a very short time. And over seven days, I lost seven kilos of muscle. <laughs> but the biggest thing in me is that God taught me that I'm loved for who I am. It's not looks alone. I was very concentrated on, you know, on in body image. So, um, you know, that was a valuable lesson taught. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing I got out of it was that, yeah, I am loved for who I am. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. Thank you. Well, the question um, to follow up with that, has that been the only fast that you've ever done? It's definitely the longest one I've done. Um, I've done a lot of 24-hour ones, so um, there was a lot of just Sundays. I found it quite convenient to fast on a Sunday. I kind of figure too, you're at church, you're getting fed, so it's, um, you know, so it's kind of a bit easier. Um, my wife and I, uh, we did a lot of one-day fasts leading up to our marriage, um, for God to really, you know, just to have his way with us um, and to work in that area. Um, I did a couple of three-day fasts. One of them was with um, uh, Luke Taylor and Jess Keeley. We did a three-day fast for Luke Taylor before he got married, wow. just for God to really have his way in that, um, awesome. in that marriage. And uh, I think – and then – I mean, it is fasting. You're giving up food, but I do – I think as I'm getting older, I don't really have to have breakfast a lot. But I, I know there's some days where I'm like, 
I'm hungry on the way to work. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to eat. I just want to hear from God. Yeah. So, And there's been amazing blessings out of that just yeah. by skipping one meal. Yeah. Um, it's been ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, Nathan, just thinking about one of those fasts, you were painting Trisha's office mm. and that's where you felt led to talk to Julie and Wayne and that's where you led them to the Lord mm. and then Julie went home to be with Jesus. Yeah. Like, praise God, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, Sarah, why do you fast? Um, I knew about fasting growing up, growing up in church environments in a Christian home, but I didn't fully understand the purpose of it and so I, I think it went up on this shelf in my head of, oh, that's for the serious Christians. That's for the ones that have God figured out and they operate on some supernatural, like, ooh, level. <laughs> um, so even though, like, I was aware of it, I didn't partake in it for years. And, like, me properly learning about fasting and partaking in it has been pretty recent. It's only been the last few years. Um, but the first thing that was just always there on my heart was that it's in the Bible. Mm. So if it's in the Bible, then there's a good reason for that. God has everything in there by intention and design. So there must be something in God that desires me to fast. So that was there hovering over me, but I just kind of didn't even know where to start and I wasn't one of those serious questions. And then um, probably going back a good five years now, I remember our church doing 21 days of prayer and fasting and other people were just talking about how they were participating in the fast. Oh, yeah, I've been doing Daniel fast or, oh, yeah, like, you know, they weren't doing it in, in a, a way to, like, show off how amazing they were, but it was because they were doing it with the support of their church family. And that was probably the first seed sown of, these are just my friends. These are just ordinary people and they can fast, so I must be able to do it too. And right. um, so I, my journey kind of started there with fasting and I did begin with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, but then it's still been a journey for me coming to why I can fast. And that's really come down to it's just that's my family, everyone. Uh, I think they're coming to give their um, point on fasting as well. Um, but for me, for fasting, it was recognising because it's uncomfortable and I can feel God's presence in prayer. I can feel God's presence in worship. So why fast as well? You know, when I can access God in these other areas. And I felt like only in the last year, God really spoke to me clearly about that and said, what's different about prayer to just having a conversation with Bronnie or a conversation with Travis? What's different about worship than just singing Beyonce in the car or singing Taylor Swift in the car, whatever your choice is? <laughs> you know, my music preferences, um, what's different? Something supernatural goes on. God meets you in that. And so I think I'd always had this fear around fasting, being dieting, and I'll get into my head because I'm an overthinker. Yeah, yeah. This is going to become about me and yeah. what I want out of this, not what God wants out of this. And in that moment to go, this is not a diet. Fasting is something supernatural and yeah. God's going to meet me in this. And um, so I fast for that reason. I fast because it's in the Bible. I fast because it draws me closer to God. And I fast because it takes me out of just the ordinary, everyday life. It's a, a reset for my mind, for my heart, yeah, and right. something supernatural goes on. Brilliant, brilliant. Can you guys just both touch on things that you've seen in your life and others or something that you want to mention um, briefly? Can you touch on those? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think through the power of fasting, um, I've definitely seen healing. 
Um, one of the big things for me when I fasted in the past and in my prayer closet, my prayer is always, I just, I'm just desperate to see people healed in Jesus' name. If it's that easy in the Bible, like if he says you can do it, then you can do it. So just to pray and pray and pray and lean into that and to fast for it and then to actually see it happen without even really probably recognising that it, you know, was because of fasting and prayer, but, you know, to see literally like ligaments being completely healed at work and tendons being made like brand new in front of, yeah, your, in front of your eyes, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, to see other healings around some of the boys that I work with, um, other people and, you know, just that laying on of hands. Um, I think boldness is a big one. If you want to fast for boldness, I really encourage you to do it. Um, you'll be on a whole nother level with confidence in who you are and the authority you have in your voice um, through Jesus Christ. Um, I've also seen families blessed, I guess, because of fasting. Um, even, you know, me and my wife, um, we just got news uh, that we're having a baby boy at the end of July. So... <laughs> <laughs> So um, I just went on Facebook, so I just found out. Um, <coughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, oh, sorry. That's <laughs> awesome. That is so great. Yeah, sorry. Keep going. Uh, yeah, no, look, that's probably... Um, yeah, but I think too, you know, when you fast, you... David, King David says it in Psalm 69.4, I humble my soul with fasting. And when you humble yourself before God, oh, I tell you what, the spiritual realm is endless. Yeah. It is, there is amazing stuff happens to people around you in your own life. Uh, one thing at the moment is my family. It's a big one. So um, I'm stoked, you know, my family don't have a lot of contact with me. My mum just sent us a text saying congratulations, um, which is nice. Um, it's hard to see that my name's never mentioned in these texts. But God is faithful. He is so good. And I'll continue to fast for that day that we will be together. Um, but what I love about fasting is that, yeah, it, it puts you into, it's, it's that alignment with God. It's seeing his heart's desires. And then it's, it kind of, it opens your eyes in the spiritual realm of what is possible. Like faith is things unseen. Fasting is things seen. I don't know. Like I, I fast and I see things happen. And it's, it's really cool. Um, I'll try to keep the highlight points. I think the breakthrough I've seen over fasting over just a three, four-year period, like we could sit here for a long time. Um, so from that first time, 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'd been believing for the gift of tongues for a really long time and I felt so discouraged in my spirit around that that it was something I just set to the side with God, like I don't want this to interfere with my love for you, so I'm just going to have to benchmark this. Went through that first 21 days um, wasn't even thinking about my desire for that. And then it was a long time till I pieced the dot, to like piece the pieces together to go our first overflow after that. I received the gift of tongues. That transformed my prayer life and my ability to hear God's spirit so much that I desired it so much for my family members. Um, so for the next three years, I faithfully prayed specifically for one family member. And then I came into 21 days of prayer and fasting last year believing for that family member and a couple of weeks after that um, two family members including the one I'd been prayed for received the gift of tongues on separate occasions um, and then I got to see them just go whoa like strength to strength in their prayer life and relationship with God last year um, around decisions so I fasted with Travis around decisions for our marriage and for our family and 
I think when you just press and expectant to hear from God, um, he's not going to waste that. God doesn't hang his kids out to dry. He's not cruel. He's very kind, but he operates in faith. So fasting gives God your faith and he will not waste that. He will show up in that. So I've heard from him like in miraculous ways as we've been seeking discernment. Um, And then I would just say enormous inward works have gone on in me where the spirit just refines and resets and realigns and it's so worth it. Wonderful. Um, I'm just, there's one question. Can you please give us an example of fasting for each area, body, soul, and spirit? So body, um, obviously food, and that food can be like Nath did a full fast, um, water only, make sure you have water. Um, but, or it could be the Daniel fast where you're just having fruit and veg. Um, you know, it's never a good idea to just have meat or something like that. Um, Albie, the South African, always wanted to just fast from fruit and veggies. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Um, but we'll have information up. If you scan that QR code, it will come up tomorrow. Uh, soul. Uh, lots of people have found had great things happen from fasting social media or fasting television. I know when we go through 21 days of prayer fasting, I do body and soul. It's great to do together. So I fast food, but I also don't listen to any music on the radio. The kids hate 21 days of prayer and fasting because they get worship nonstop and so just um, picking something that um, you know that's going to build your spirit that's what you're looking for something that builds your spirit you're taking away from the soul you're taking away from the body and you're building your spirit and then a spirit fast well you could stop reading your bible but no the idea is that you don't fast with your spirit you fast from your body and your soul and you lean in and press in with your spirit into prayer and uh, that's the best idea Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.